Welcome back to another episode of Leading With Your Gut. I'm your host, Jenna Renee Shelman. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, and today is such a good day. Today's inauguration day. I'm not sure if you saw the inauguration this morning. I definitely got a little teary-eyed as I was watching it, especially when Kamala Harris was um, sworn in. She is the first woman and first woman of color um, to be vice president. So today is a good day. Today is also um, the end of a terrifying four years of Trumpism. Um, And I guess I said that a little lightly because 74 million people voted for Trump. That piece is very scary, but at least he is kicked out, his cabinet is kicked out, and there is a little bit of a turnover of our legislation. So that is exciting. Um, Today is the day that change and progress can actually now kind of be made with a Democratic executive branch and a primarily Democratic um, legislative branch. There could actually be some change that happens. Um, I don't know the last time I've actually really seen that, regardless of who was president. So it's pretty exciting. Um, I know I'm fully aware and I've talked about this so many times that our country is so fucked up just with the systems that are in place. And honestly, both political parties are a hot mess. I am not here saying that I'm a proud Democrat because I'm not. It's a messed up party. I just hope they're on the right track to reform. So anyways, I'm excited. I'm optimistic for this year. I've been saying this for a while. I think, you know, give it six months. I think things will start to really look and feel better, especially for our economy and with COVID. So I feel relief today. I feel joy today. I feel less stress today. And honestly, it feels really nice. Today kind of feels like the first day of, of 2021. So I'm pumped. I'm relieved. I'm optimistic. And I hope you are too. So I want to go ahead and start this week's episode. Okay, as always, I'm super pumped for my guest this week. Um, my guest, her name is Tracy Ann Rose. Let me tell you a little bit about her. So Tracy is a writer. She's an actress. She's a certified Reiki master teacher. She's a spiritual thought leader and the creator of Acceptance is Power Coaching. So her motto is be powerful, be you. Tracy believes that one, we all deserve to be truly seen and two, it's hard to see someone up close and to hate them. In Tracy's work, she blends spirituality and psychology to support and empower big-hearted business owners to develop their intuition, to build their business, and to feel confident on and off the camera. As a writer, Tracy highlights misrepresented and underrepresented groups to show that while we're all unique individuals, we each have a universal story to tell. So on this week's episode, Tracy and I talk about her life as a writer, as a black woman, as a woman of color, what it was like for her being an actress, particularly in Atlanta, and the pressures um, that we just all face in general, particularly BIPOC and particularly men and how men face so many pressures from the patriarchy. We also talk about everything that's going on in Georgia because she lives in Atlanta. She's a proud Georgian and dang, Georgia has really won in the last, you know, few months here. 
Okay, so I want to go ahead and start the show, but please make sure um, during the episode or after the episode that you do follow Tracy. All of her information um, is in the show notes on Instagram. It's at Acceptance is Power. She has a group on Facebook as well. And then also please make sure that you follow at Leading With Your Gut on Instagram and at Jenna Renee Shellman. Please make sure to like this podcast five stars and to leave a review. Thank you so much. This is Tracy and Rose. Tracy, welcome to Leading with Your Gut. How are you? I am doing so well. This is a this is a pleasure. I'm I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So you are in Atlanta, okay? And yeah. I feel like, or not feel like, I know that Atlanta has been in the news in the last what since honestly since George Floyd's death, right? So yeah. much has happened in Atlanta. Like what is me up here in Seattle, I only know what's going on in the news. Like what is going on in Atlanta right now? Um honestly there's 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 two sides I feel like what I'm experiencing being a person of color. Um there is a lot of compassion fatigue that's going on here. Hmm. Uh we feel like, you know, our history, we Atlanta we make the joke that Atlanta is great, except for it's surrounded by Georgia. <laughs> because <laughs> Atlanta is this beautiful hub of like so many different cultures and it's so forward thinking, but the rest of the state has really been lagging behind. So of course there's always been uh, tension, tension in the heart of the city. And so a lot of us, you know, when George Floyd's tragic murder occurred, we were, uh, not, we were not surprised. We've seen this before, and, and that's the saddest thing to say, honestly, is not feeling as much because you're like, well, what's different about this one? This has been going on since the inception of this country. Mm-hmm. People of color have been targeted mercilessly um, and unfairly. Um, and then there's also this beautiful revolution that's also occurring that I think is so powerful. Um, our girl, Stacey Abrams, revolutionary changes i'm uh, i'm just i'm so i'm proud of georgia i never thought i would say that yeah um i'm proud to live here i'm proud that so many people have opened their eyes have gone out and used their voice to make a difference in our legislation because although it's not immediate change it represents something something fantastic which is that showing black women as leaders and showing the importance for equality and for justice to be served. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm ready for the changes that are, that are coming. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stacey Abrams, just a huge shout out to her. I mm-hmm. feel like she, it, if you want to credit, there's so many people to credit for this election this year, federal and state, but if you really want to narrow it down to one person, it's Stacey Abrams. It's her. What she's done has been amazing. She she lost, right? Mm-hmm. But then it, she didn't take that loss and she didn't say, oh, let me pack it up. I'm done. I feel like she went above and beyond to really get her message heard nationwide. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's had such a strong impact on Georgia is, is the visibility that Stacey Abrams has fought for to create change in our community and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have two new senators now, starting mm-hmm. tomorrow, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my I think God. it's tomorrow, yep. right? Wearing pearls for that. Yeah. You should. For that day. Yeah. That's insane. So Georgia is technically, aside from the governor, Georgia's technically blue. 
It feels great. Wow. <laughs> I never thought, I never thought we got, we got new year's cards from um, some of my husband's clients saying like, yeah, we're finally blue. It was yes. so, it's so exciting. So exciting. What do you think about the rest of the South? Do you think this, do you think the South, if the strategy is still, if the strategy is the same with Stacey Abrams, do you think the South could technically turn blue also? I think, um, you know, I'm into astrology and numerology mm -hmm. and all that esoteric stuff. Mm -hmm. um, from what's coming up for this year, I think that, that we're going to see two things. We're going to see revolutionary change, change that we've been, we've been waiting for, that we've been yearning for, and that we need as a collective. But we are also going to see, and we're already seeing it this year, uh, the negativity, the those who are being resistant to treating others as equals. So I think it's actually going to be a bit of a battle this year. And I'm going to go ahead and throw out there. Uh, so there's this Saturnus Uranus square that'll be occurring three times this year. Look out in February, mid-February, mid-June, and Christmas Eve around those times, I, I have a feeling that we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see some, some civil unrest. And hopefully we're going to see some positive changes from that upheaval as we continue um, the year. That's what I'm hoping, but I think we're going to see both. So mid, mid February, mid June, and then around Christmas Eve. Yes. Yeah. So um, I love that you are super into astrology. That's yes, also one of your, <laughs> it's also one of your, your talents and your skills and um, where you get some of your knowledge from. So um Wait, explain that again. What's going on with the planets? What will go on with them? Okay, so what's happening right now is we Saturn is going to be in Aquarius. Um, that's that's already happening. So Saturn in Aquarius, what that means is it's all about structures being kind of broken down to be rebuilt in order to be more humanitarian. Mm -hmm. Pre that's the Aquarian archetype. Previously, we were in Capricorn, which is more about hierarchies. Uh, the shadow side is more about hierarchies. It's about structure for the sake of structure and kind of forgetting that it's easy to forget the human element of the structure, where Aquarius is going to be refocusing, where we're going to be looking at like, okay, these systems don't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. These systems are flawed. And we've already started to see a bit of that upheaval. People are starting to notice with the with the death of George Floyd, people are starting to say, wait a second, um, maybe America isn't as free as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be moving into a structure that really does support freedom for all and not just the select few who are in power. Mm. And so Uranus is in Taurus. <laughs> and Uranus is the, the planet of shakeups. It, it's actually the ruler for Aquarius. So it's all about liberation. It wants us to be free. But it does that by shaking us out of a sense of comfort almost like Taurus is Taurus here Taurus so you know mm -hmm. like Taurus is we enjoy they enjoy sensual pleasures I, I say we because I'm a, a Taurus ascendant but um we enjoy sensual pleasures and we enjoy this sense of stability so Uranus and Taurus it's this interesting dichotomy where I think we're really being forced to look inward and create our home inside ourselves mm. um really really building our lives based off of our values and letting everything else kind of go as it will and, and adjust in that moment because we can't control as we've learned with the pandemic we can't control the out the outside world but what we can control is our inner is our inner world our um, inner peace mm. our equanimity things like that mm. so what advice do you since there since there might be some civil unrest this year 
Um, I mean, what advice do you have for, for black people, for people of color, for people of other, you know, excluded groups? What, what advice do you have for us for 2021? For all these misrepresented and underrepresented groups, my, my biggest piece of advice is express yourself authentically. Mm. Use your voice now. Use your voice now. The Aquarian archetype is all about speaking out and letting your individualism be your, your, your almost like your special power, your superpower. Um, a lot of times in, in our society, we're taught to assimilate, to fit in in order mm -hmm. to succeed. Mm -hmm. That is shifting. So those of us who are forward thinkers, those of us who are willing to, to speak our unique perspective, we're going to see... We're going to see results from that. People are going to be paying attention to us. People will be interested in what we have to say. And so I really encourage you to speak from your heart. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's okay. I think it's great actually to express anger. I think it's okay to express mm -hmm. all of your emotions. Um, I still think that what's important is that we do it in a way that's authentic, honest, and kind, because that's what leads to change. Hate speech, even if it's against people who are intolerant, it's still hate speech, you guys. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have. That's that's the hard part about being in a group that is oppressed in our society is that you want to speak up for yourself, but you're there's so much unprocessed, in my opinion, anger and rage and hurt. Um, mm -hmm. And I think all of that deserves to be heard. But I also think that the way that it'll be effective if we if we can connect to others, to, the, to people who might not be on our side, connect to them in a way that is compassionate mm -hmm. because we have to connect on our humanity. And um, if we can do that, I think we'll, we'll start to change some minds. Mm -hmm. I think we'll start to see things continue to shift. Maybe we'll get some more Southern blue states. Like mm -hmm. I would love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so powerful. I love what you, you said about assimilation. I feel like um, and if I offend some people, then it is what it is. But I feel like there are a lot of white people that do not fully understand what it means, yeah. what assimilation means for black people and people of color. Um, I'm, and honestly, probably LGBTQ plus, right? Yeah. I'm not LGBTQ plus, so I don't understand what it means to assimilate from that standpoint. So I'm just going to talk about um, black and people of color, right? There's mm -hmm. so much assimilation to whiteness that has occurred with so many of us from the, the minute we were born, right? Exactly. And In that, order for I us, mean, yeah, it will, this is what fires me up. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it, it's, it's, it starts with our media is what we didn't, is yeah, what we don't yeah. realize. Mm -hmm. um, one of the first feature films, Birth of a Nation, mm -hmm. it features blackface, of mm -hmm. course, and uh, a black man r raping and pillaging like an animal. Mm -hmm. And we don't understand as a culture quite yet the depths at which it has harmed us. Mm -hmm. um, and it continues. It continues with stereotypical depictions of people of color. Um, it continues with not showing, in my opinion, we don't see enough of our LGBTQ plus, you know, people on the screen. And when we do see, it's often stories about them uh, being brutalized for being mm -hmm. simply who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can change that conversation, if we can just start to show, like if we, if we could just start to show people living their daily lives who are just, you know, walking a different path, a different ethnicity, a different religious background, if we can show that, I think there will be 
much more empathy in our world because a lot of us get our interactions with people, especially now through the media. Mm -hmm. So we're not necessarily making new friends or walking in new circles. So we're getting our information about people that we don't see in our day-to-day lives from that, from that, um, that channel. So it, it just really makes you think, um, it really makes you think about what are the underlying prejudices that we hold and we don't even truly recognize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that I noticed um, when I was uh, living with my parents, they have cable TV. So I don't, I don't typically have cable, right? I just use like a smart, smart TV and just, you know, stream stuff. So when I, when they would have the TV on um, something that I noticed is that when I was watching commercials, there are now more commercials that represent the diversity of this country. Okay. Okay. Is it still accurate? It's not, but I did (laughs) notice that I did notice that. And I saw a lot more um, black people and people of color as the mm-hmm. main characters in commercials, I saw a lot more interracial couples, and I saw I a couple. You saw some, I saw a couple um, LGBTQ um, folks as well, yeah. right? And then I think yeah. I saw one um, commercial, and I can't remember who it was for, but it was an individual who was neurodivergent, right? And then I saw, I think it was Indeed, I think it's Indeed. Indeed has a new um, commercial now about representing the different diversity of their candidates and stuff. So is it perfect? No, but is it, is that facet, right? Of social, like, you know, our social media, the social channels are so much, right? Is that facet starting to change? For the first time, you know, in 34 years, I finally recognize that that is slowly starting to change. And it is, and it's a, it's a steady progress. I don't expect, <laughs> I don't expect things to change overnight. And no. it's interesting to me because um, my husband and I, yeah, I think Christmas Eve, the movie Soul came out on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. And so we we're watching it with our older son, Noah. And I honestly, I loved the film and Noah did too. And it was nice to see a, a black male protagonist and, mm-hmm. Then I was talking to my husband more extensively about it and he did not like the film. Hmm. Um, he actually, he, he was pointing out several points. He was like, well, this is very narrow-minded. Uh, the black character, we don't even see them as a black man for most of the film. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. It's, I mean, I think it's a very interesting story in terms of spirituality and, and um, our soul's journey. But when my husband started to point out all these things, like there are black men who are mistaken for each other, the, the white, spoiler alert, guys, sorry, the white woman takes control of the black man's body and doesn't want to give it back at a point. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's um, basically incapable he's very when he finally gets the opportunity of a lifetime he essentially squanders it it was just very interesting because what is but i i did not see any of these things you know upon Mm -hmm. first watch Mm -hmm. so it was interesting then to also talk to other women of color and say hey hey, did you 
did you notice this? And none of them, all of them were the same as me. Upon initial viewing, we we're like, oh, this is great. So it's sort of, I don't know, there's been an interesting unveiling that's occurring. And I, I'm still, I'm still happy to see a black male protagonist, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like, wow, like we've got to sort of notice the nuance as artists and creatives moving forward uh, to, to kind of be a little bit more mindful about what we're creating and what we're ingesting and what it what what are what are the what's the subtext of all of this mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to watch it um props to your husband too for, i know i was like oh <laughs> your, your, your husband is white correct he is white okay, so, so I was, major props to him <laughs> right i was joking i was like oh man like you should have a podcast called like white mansplaining it would be different than people <laughs> would think but it would be interesting, you know, because he's and he's done this with other movies where I, and I'm like, oh, I, I but I'm so used to it. You know, we all we all grew up on Disney and we all yeah. think, yeah, but that's kind of what we were talking about with assimilating is that we we it's so interesting. But like what's considered attractive in our society, and I think you've spoken about this on your podcast previously, is being as close to European as possible. Yep. Eurocentric yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i think this is a good segue for you to kind of share with the audience your your background in um in media okay so i've always been a fan of of storytelling since i was a, a young child i've been writing stories as soon as i could read like around the age of two i i've it's been my favorite thing um and so i started you know started in the theater high school theater I won Best Supporting Actress, not to get it, girl. Say it loud and proud. Best Supporting what Actress, 2006, <laughs> or I think it was like 2008, something like that. Um, and so I continued on, but honestly, once again, the idea of assimilation, my mom, she's Jamaican, so she came into this country as an immigrant. She's a citizen of this country. Um, and I'm the first generation born here, but it's, uh, we're very much instilled in a work ethic and practical ways to ascend our socioeconomic status. So uh, theater wasn't an option for college. My mom really wanted me to do something practical. So I decided to be a psych major. And that's, that's so interesting because it plays into so much of my life now. And I, I love psychology, but it's not something that like, you know, storytelling and like really empowering others is like what lifts me up uh, the most. So being able to combine theater and media and psychology, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting journey, but I finally decided to um, disappoint my mother, just kidding, um, by- uh, <laughs> We've all died. <laughs> right, by uh, pursuing, pursuing acting professionally. So I've been doing that since 2010. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, ups and downs with that. I had my, my biggest success was a Toyota commercial that I did while I was pregnant with my son. So that nice. was also a beautiful moment. And then uh, as I started to get more and more auditions, I was honestly disappointed by what I, the roles that I was asked to depict. I was asked to depict um, Ghetto Fabulous Baby Mama, which if you know me or if you can hear me or if you can see that there's nothing about my essence that speaks to that. Mm -hmm. So it was it's just been, it was kind of a disappointing journey to feel like, oh, my gosh, I've got my foot through the door. But wait, you know, the other side of the threshold isn't as beautiful as I as I thought it would be, mm -hmm. um, isn't as fulfilling. So actually, <laughs> right before the pandemic, near the end of 2018, 
I decided, you know what, I've always been a writer. I've always loved literature. It's time for me to use my experience and my voice to highlight my unique qualities as a woman of color and just as a person um, with my own writing. And so I started to write for myself and I started to learn like, wait, 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 this is, I think this may actually be my way into the industry. And then as I continued along the journey, I started to get more and more positive feedback from local directors and producers. And I, and I started to think, oh my gosh, like maybe this is more than just footage for a reel. Maybe this is a show. Maybe this is something that could possibly change people's perspectives in the media, which I, you know, I believe is influential in how we view others. Um, so I just, I've been continuing on. I, uh, I uh, was fortunate enough to make it to the second round of the Austin Film Fe Festival of my first submission of, of this pilot that I wrote called Squirts. And um, since then, I've just been continuing the momentum. I filmed a mini show prior to that uh, to, because, Okay, what I've recognized about people that I really look up to, Issa Rae, Donald Glover, um, and also the, the, the dream team of Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer from Broad City, is that they didn't wait to be given an opportunity. Mm -hmm. They didn't wait for the door to open. They filmed their own content, they created their own content, and they they let that sort of speak for them. And that opened up so many doors for them where they were able to receive opportunities. And I thought, you know, I don't really like vibe with the system. Let me go around it. And so that's what I'm doing with my mini show. That's what I continue to do with my writing and my content. It's really all about empowering people to be their unique selves because there is value in all of us. Mm. I freaking love that so 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 much was it hard for you to make the decision to transition from i'm gonna go from acting now into this industry of writing because those are okay i am it's not in this industry. industry so i don't even know but mm -hmm. like it was that so hard to to switch industries like that it was hard more mentally than physically mm -hmm. um Mentally, it was like, I don't, I'm not famous, you know, like I'm not famous. Like no one's going to take me seriously. I'm writing from the perspective of like a black female millennial, like who cares type of thing. Um, and that's, uh, that was, it was, it was hard to, to trust my own value, honestly. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I had written and, and I had really kept my work pretty hidden and pretty close to the chest because I just didn't think others were going to find value in it. So it was an interesting journey when um, it was a, it was a producer friend who reached out to me and was like, if you have any projects that you've been writing, you know, I, I really believe in you as an actor and I would love to, to see any material that you have. And so I started to develop it. And as I continued along the process, I kept getting such uh, phenomenal feedback of people feeling like this was a timely story a uh, story that needed to be heard, uh, a unique perspective, a unique brand of comedy that we don't often get to see. And so the more that I put myself out there, the more I receive the positive feedback that actually has empowered me to continue to move forward and to reach on a larger scale. No, no longer am I wanting to do this, you know, short rushed uh, budget friendly version, version of the, the series. I'm I, my dream, honestly, is to be produced by HBO ultimately, mm -hmm. but um, I'm using the mini show as a stepping stone. And uh, along the way, I've made fantastic contacts with the Austin Film Festival and just through actually being in the entertainment industry already mm -hmm. kind of gave me people to reach out to because so many actors 
they're not just actors. They have stories to tell, but I think they feel limited by the medium. They're not sure that anyone wants to see see them be more than just a pretty face type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And and in the in the industry, are what is it like now? I know that things are starting to change, but what is it like now for Black people and people of color, right, to make it? Is it still is it still competitive? Is it very like one only one one man or one woman at the seat of the table like is it more accepting now and inclusive like what's going on in the industry um from what i see and from what i sense it does still feel a bit competitive and does still from what i hear it there's not there's still not enough room for a person to be a fully complex person don't get me wrong i think there are specific shows that are doing that particularly on like hbo streaming services i think they're a little bit more free Mm -hmm. to to have um, more complexity and more depth in their characters of color. But I still feel with the network, it is oh so limited. Um, I think because it's still trying to appeal to the masses, but I do believe that the masses are starting to shift in what they want to see. You know, we're tired of seeing the same old stories. We want to see something new that we can connect with on a deeper level. So I'm hoping for the change. Like I, I kind of gauge it by what my mom watches when she was telling me that she saw, uh, I believe she was describing a trans character on a network television show that she watches. And I was like, oh, so we're, we're moving, we're, we're moving. I mean, the character was white. So I think that also is a bit of, that's, a, that's also a thing. It's, it's uncommon to see uh queer queer ca characters of color it's almost like that's mm -hmm. too many taboos in one space we can only have one um it's too I'm, it's too intersection still for us yeah yeah exactly and so once again you know that's something i'm hoping to see to see change as mm -hmm. we continue on this journey but yeah it is it does still feel a bit competitive here and a bit limited here um, especially because atlanta has a very different mindset than say la mm -hmm. um LA is more, uh, they, 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 I, I don't know if they fully get the depth of their spirituality, but they have a sense of like, oh yeah, we should do this type of thing. Whereas <laughs> in Atlanta, we're in the South, it's all about doing things properly, doing things right. And so, you know, it's very limiting and very stay in the box. Like this is where you belong. Mm. Um, and even like they, they, so they don't take Atlanta actors very seriously because we, many of us have felt very restricted and that shows up on film. So it's almost like the joke on an LA set, like, oh, that's the Atlanta actor. Like, don't expect much depth from them. Don't expect much variety from them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Tell, tell us about your pilot. Okay. What's so it called I'm again? Scorts. Scorts. So, Scor say, can you spell that? Yes. S-C-O-R-T-S. Sports, okay. <laughs> um, so it's all about sort of my misguided 20s, but put into a comedic, like very amped up comedic version. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience, Jenna, but uh, I feel like a lot of women, we have male friends, but they're, they're not really male friends. They're like lying in wait to be our lovers, essentially, like they're waiting for... <laughs> that movie moment where they get to tell you how much they love you and you suddenly realize like, oh my gosh, you're right, I am in love with you. And so in the meantime, they just sort of, they, they do things for you and they're almost like expect, they're using kindness as currency basically the entire time mm -hmm. with ulterior mm -hmm. motives. Mm -hmm. So 
I had a lot of those experiences growing up and I, I spent a lot of my life very naive. I was like, no, that's just a really good friend. Like, yeah, like the, he's, he's sweet. Yeah. He got me Valentine's day chocolates and didn't get his girlfriend anything, but like that's just cause we're We're best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I actually started uh, dating my, my boyfriend at the time now husband. And he was like, no, Tracy, this is weird. People should not just give you free stuff all the time <laughs> or like offer to pay your bit. Like, this is strange. Like you mm-hmm. need to look at, and I was like, you're wrong. He was right. And so mm-hmm. uh, I kind of wrote about that. It was this societal exchange for uh, emotion for money almost, you know what I mean? Like, like people will sort of pay to feel something. And so the pilot mm-hmm. focuses on sort of like filling that need, but in a more straightforward way. So it's escorts without the E um, and the E at the time symbolized the sort of like the impersonal E of the electronic age. Like we're not really fully connecting in person. We're still on our phones. Mm-hmm. And this is all about like really being present with each other and sort of the misadventures of my character, which is still super naive, uh, ignores all the red flags there are and her best friend, Joe, who is very cynical, like she's clocking everybody. She's canceling left and right. So it's kind of interesting to see these two characters come together to try to service uh, a community emotionally mm-hmm. um, when they both just kind of have like these terrible, terrible boundaries and, and misguided ideas about what relationships really mean. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Um, I can. Okay, so now that I'm 34, right, I have a theory about this. Your husband is completely right, by the way. Yeah, he was. He was. And 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 if anyone wants to, you know, talk to me about this, please DM me at leading with your gut or email me at info at leading with your gut. But okay. I'm just gonna talk about the hetero world because that's all I know. Yeah, right? but men and women who identify as hetero cannot like be like just friends. Like there's a difference with having like an acquaintance, right? Like right. you have a work acquaintance and you know, you have this acquaintance through somebody else or through a family friend, like that's different. An acquaintance is different than having a friend. If you have a friend, right, me as a straight female, if I have a male friend that is also a straight male, there are feelings there from at least the male side, not necessarily the female side. I agree. From the male side is never platonic. Well, what happens, I think, is our society trains men out of connecting so much. Yeah, they do. That that they associate any sort of like authentic connection as automatically romantic. Mm -hmm. Like there's no space. And that's why men aren't like encouraged to make like male friendships as much as females are at a very young age. Like the stories that that young girls are are supposed to be are conditioned to watch let me say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you know about friendship and like gal pals like gal pals is mm. a is a theme in netflix if you search under kids that it's so creepy to me but like interesting. uh young, young males are, are condi- people who are conditioned as male they are taught to seek external validation and they get a lot of their um social connections through their love relationships or their partnerships and so it's so hard i think for uh, those who have been conditioned to be male to really extend themselves emotionally and not expect it to become a a romantic relationship it's just Mm -hmm. 
it's happened to me countless times. I thought I like, I really thought for the longest time, like, oh, I'm just like a girl guy. Like I just prefer guys and they prefer me. And like, it's cool. And it's like, no, Tracy, like, what are you, what are you I, <laughs> like? I had, I, I just thought, I just thought there, I have really nice male friends. Like they mm-hmm. will do anything for me. Um, but that, you know what, that wasn't the case. And as I grew up and started to look around and I remember one of my best male friends when I moved in with my husband, Jason was enraged, stopped talking to me. Um, I was spending the night on his couch because I was working a job there. He like, by the time I got back to his apartment, he had thrown all my things onto the porch because I told what? him, because I told him I was moving in with my boyfriend at the time yeah. I, I didn't, and nothing romantic had ever happened between us ever. So this is what I think maybe in middle school, actually, I will say we played one game of spin the bottle and he spread the rumor to the entire like middle school or high school that I kissed like a goat. So I was just like, I don't even know what that means, but it was so, it was such a strange thing because I thought, you know, we were completely platonic good friends. And there was just such this backlash of me just living my life. And I think a lot of females have experienced that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can probably say that most women have experienced something in that regard. Um, you know, I'm not here to bash men because that's not what I want to no. do. I'm here to bash the system, right? That conditions and trains men, right? Which is part of the patriarchy. And it's so true. I love what you said about you can go to Netflix and search gal pals, but I wonder if you can search like male no. Like what, what is, I don't even know what the, what the, the synonym to that is for men. I I, I don't even know what it would be. I have no idea. And that's the other, that's what fascinates me is like, when we look at the stories that little boys are supposed to be watching is it's superheroes. It's, it's it's violence. It's Mm -hmm. taking down somebody else in order to be on top. It's the city cheering you on and like, look at Batman. He has no personal relationships. He can't maintain them but it's so worth it because he's super cool and drives a fast car and he's so like dark and edgy. And that's what a man is supposed to be. They're not supposed to be stable emotionally and in touch with who they are and have true compassion for others. Like, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me what, what we start to tell children mm-hmm. so early on. Mm-hmm. How, how is it? Cause you have two boys, you have two young boys. So how is it, you know, being a mom, trying to teach the things that maybe men don't often learn or condition the way that that women are how is that well i'm fortunate because my partner is very empathetic is very in touch and is very aware and open to change um so he's so he we we're on the same page in terms of um teaching emotional regulation as as something that's extremely important. Uh, One of the primary things that we teach our sons, (laughs) uh, mostly Noah, because Ian is is only a few months old, or I guess he's several months old, but um, (laughs) is is to to learn how to take care of you. you, It's not about meeting anyone else's external standards. It's, you know, listen to your body, Uh, sleep when you're tired, eat when you're hungry, go to the potty when you need to go to the potty, when you feel upset breathe acknowledge that like I had to tell him this morning because <laughs> because he was playing on his iPad and he got upset that I told him you know I after he gets off his iPad he just has an attitude 
And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't, we speak to each other kindly and lovingly and you're not speaking to me that way. Like, I don't like how you're talking to me right now. And he said, you made me upset. And I said, you know, I, I'm sorry that you're feeling upset, but I did not make you upset. That's just your response right now. And like, why do you feel upset? So we had a car ride conversation of like, why do you feel upset that, you know, I told you to take off, like turn off the iPad. Why are you so attached to the iPad? And I mean, honestly, he got to a point where he was just like, I don't know, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's okay, but we can explore those things and we can always talk about those things. So that's, that's really huge for me is making sure that there's open communication and uh, clear, clear boundaries as well. Like it's okay to set boundaries and exemplifying that. Um, as you know, I, I've had struggles with autoimmune diseases, you know, invisible disabilities. And so there are times and it, and it's hard because you, you want to be everything for your kids, but there are times where I have to set boundaries and be apart from them to rest for my health or take a nap for my health. Mm -hmm. Um, and at times, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking, uh, around Christmas, I, I was going too hard, working too hard. And eventually my body had such a, a negative response that shing I like my body had shingles. I had shingles all of a sudden on Christmas. And, uh, I, you know, my son was very upset because he really values quality time. And I had to explain to him, you know, this is not forever. It's just for a little bit, but I'm so glad that we talked about it. Like we can always talk about it. Even if you're mad or upset, if you need to take a moment, it's okay. But I am always, I'm always going to listen and I'm always going to, uh, just, just be there for you. Just be present. That's amazing. It's, it seems like you really teach awareness, right? self-awareness yeah. to your kids, which is, I, there's so many times, Tracy, honestly, throughout the day that I'm like, and I'm not, you know, dogging my parents at all because they're great parents, but I'm like, mm -hmm. I wish I would have just learned this as a kid. Right. Whether it's something emotional or social or, a, you know, a, a financial skill or something, right. I'm like, I wish I would have learned this. Like when I was a kid, not when I'm like in my mid thirties. Right. There's just, I think so we all feel that much. way. Yeah. There's just so much that is so valuable in our lives. That would have been really great <laughs> if we would I'm, have learned, you know, it, when we were younger. And this is why, you know, well, I, I've always thought you're a fantastic mom, but it just, you. it brings me more hope. I'm hoping that more moms and dads, parents are like you, right. To really start teaching things to their kids that like, are really necessary in life and things that really matter, like emotional regulation and awareness. I agree. I, and then I'm, I'm going to bring it back to astrology for a little bit, but Let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, December 21st, we had this great conjunction, which was Saturn and Aquarius, which have to do our, I'm sorry, Saturn and Jupiter, which are, are, they're called societal planets. So they, they have to do with like how society is structured and, and what we deem as valuable. So they moved into Aquarius, which is an air sign, and they've been in earth signs for over, I think about 200 years. And I believe that that's representative of this shift in consciousness from valuing kind of like the almighty dollar, right? Like you have to do these things because that's how this system works. And you want to, you know, you want to fit in, you want to be the same as everybody else, right? Where now we're moving into a more individual, individualistic perspective where we're actually valuing the human element of who we are and acknowledging that we're not all the same. We, we don't, we don't, we're not, it's not one size fits all. 
um, no matter how much society tries to force us to be that way. And so I think we are going to see a lot of people opening up their minds and recognizing that it's okay for them to be them. I, I mean, I'm in astrology groups with people who are in their 60s and they're just now recognizing this and they are they are regretting how they've raised their children. But, you know, um, I, hopefully that opens up more conversations, more awareness and more progress in terms of equality and freedom truly for all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love it. We've been chatting now for like almost 45 minutes. This has been such a good conversation. I always love connecting with you and talking with you. Um, You know, obviously the show is called leading with your gut. Can you share a little bit about how your gut has led you in, in, in any facet of your life? Oh my gosh. It's when I finally started to listen to it, uh, it has, it's led me to the most beautiful places and people. Uh, it took me a long time to start listening to my gut. I think, you know, uh, we're trained out of it at a very young age by the idea of like idealizing busyness, you know, mm-hmm. like keep moving, especially, uh, you know, coming fr- from, uh, an, an immigrant family, like busyness means productivity means success means, you know, your family is going to be taken care of. So I also, you know, I understand where it comes from the foundation of it, but I, I, you know, I spent so much of my college years bustling. Like I remember like taking naps in my car between doing different shows and like, literally like I would take a short nap and then wake up at 3am, write a paper and then go back to sleep for a few hours. Like I was constantly moving. I was constantly in multiple productions and you know, on top of classes and social relationships. And of course, you know, like the party atmosphere. So it was, it's, it's very interesting. It wasn't until uh, I was out on my own and not, I guess not really, you know, I moved in with my, my now husband and we lived in another state that I started to listen to my body more. And I started to notice more things and I started to be drawn towards spirituality. It's something I'd always loved, but once again, uh, assimilation, like I felt like it was taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be considered silly or frivolous. And, you know, there's no time for that kind of thing. Um, so I started to delve deeply there and it, you know, led me to, to marrying my husband. I, there's just so many, uh, beautiful moments, uh, even in hard times, we had a few, a few hard times, like everyone does in their marriage, they say around two years, people usually divorce or they stay together for a while. And we hit that two year mark and we were struggling. And I wasn't seeing a lot of, I don't know if you had this experience, but it it wasn't talked about how to, with my family, how to work through issues in marriage. Mm, Yep. That is something that I was never, I've never been taught that. I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people who are listening have not been taught that. Mm-hmm. I had not. And so I had no idea. You don't have any idea what you're doing and you don't have any sort of real model for that. It's usually, I mean, for my, for my household, I feel like it was more like behind closed doors. They would talk about it and then present a united front. Um, and we handle that very differently with my son. We, we have arguments, not cruel arguments, but we disagree. Let me say we disagree in front of my son, but then we talk it out. And if, you know, if, if it does get heated and we need to apologize, we apologize and we apologize to him as well, because 
we're all a unit. But in terms of spirituality, it was that like finally, because you know, I, he was the breadwinner because I'm I'm an actress. I wasn't in as a series regular or anything, so I wasn't making a ton of money pursuing that that career. And he's a financial advisor, so he would support me. And when we got into rough times, we got to a point where like, oh, is this going to last? And finally, I said, like, I have to invest in myself. Like, no, I don't make as much money as he does. But th this is, I was getting sick. I didn't know I had, a, I had an undiagnosed or misdiagnosed autoimmune disease. I was getting sicker by the day. Every, every morning was a struggle. And so finally, I was like, you know what, I really feel drawn towards this class on developing your intuition. It sounds, you know, frivolous, because it doesn't equate to financial success, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. And it led me on this wonderful discovery of accepting myself and accepting this, this kind of uh, gift that I've always had, but not really accepted to, it's just like a, this, uh, it's almost like the psychic knowing at times uh, people always say like, I'm very on point when I do, cause I also do um, spiritual work, uh, healing, energy healing work. And it was amazingly enough, my husband joined me on that journey. And we actually learned uh, the energy healing practice of Reiki together. And it, we ended up forming for a short amount of time, like a business based on Reiki together. And it's, it was just beautiful that we were able, spirituality gave us the tools to evolve in our marriage together mm. and to respect that we are different and that we operate differently. And instead of feeling the need to change each other, just to work together, to collaborate, to utilize, you know, whichever skills we have, we each have, instead of saying like, this is the traditional male rule, you, you make all the decisions when he's like, well, you know, I, I feel like you'd be better at making some of these bigger life decisions. And so we, we do things, uh, we're not traditional at all. We, um, we, we're, we're happy. We just want to be the best versions of ourselves and support our family as best as we know how and continue to evolve and, and grow with one another. Mm. That's amazing. And it seems like that's, that, that is such a truth. Thank you. First of all, thank you for not hiding the bullshit. Right. Oh, and point, you know? I know what's the point, but there's still so many people that do it. And I'm like, I feel like this is, I feel like y'all are full of shit. Um, yeah. But I really appreciate you being so authentic and, 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 and sharing this, this piece of you. And um, this goes back to this, conversation that we had about assimilating, right? Mm -hmm. How there's so much of this, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like we're this perfect couple, yada, yada, yada. First of all, there's no such thing as a perfect couple. Every couple has their own issues and battles and, you know, level of love for each other. And that's what, to me, that's what real partnership is. It's not this mm -hmm. facade. It's not this fakeness. So thank you so much for braving that and just sharing the, sharing your truth. That's amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, I'm so glad that you are someone who is so in tune with your intuition. And I'm glad that you have evolved so much into who you are, Tracy, and that you're doing something that is not just for yourself, but can really influence so many other people, right? Beyond maybe than fully what you, you realize, right? This pilot of yours that you're, that you're doing. Um, sounds incredible. What we're basically at, at the end of our time, but what, um, what advice do you have for people who are 
actors who are actresses who are thinking about, you know, getting into writing, what advice do you have for them? I'm going to say that we all have a unique perspective to tell. We all have a unique story. And I think sometimes we're, we're shamed out of sharing that because it doesn't look like everybody else's. But when we share the specificity of our own story, it actually, it connects on a larger level. It actually turns out to be universal because we all have the same emotions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think there's just some sort of study that says uh, globally, we can all recognize like seven emotions, whether or not we're from the same culture. So it just speaks to the fact that we are all so much more connected than we accept. So I, I highly encourage you to reach out to your friends, start small. Don't, don't be afraid to suck mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're, you're going to suck as you evolve. Like don't expect <laughs> any quality work right out the back, but let yourself grow and develop and let yourself create a tribe of like-hearted people, not like-minded, like-hearted, people who share similar values, who uh, really want to tell stories that matter. And you're going to be surprised at how quickly you create this network of people that you can go to, to create something meaningful and that represents you authentically and takes you to that next level of not just being or not, not just feeling like a, a, a pretty face or a, a, a placeholder, but like really feeling like an artist, like a fulfilled mm-hmm. artist. Mm. I love that. That's so amazing. We've talked about so much today. Is there anything else that maybe we didn't touch on that you want to want to mm-hmm. mention or anything else that you want to, you want to say on this episode? Oh my, there's just a, you know, I feel like we have touched on a lot. Um, I just, I will, okay. I do want to urge people to prioritize their joy and their pleasure this year mm-hmm. because we're in, we are in for a doozy y'all. So I need, I need everyone to really focus on just taking a few minutes to connect to their breath, to calm. It, it's amazing. It'll calm your nervous system down in a heartbeat. I've got some videos on YouTube that you can check out. Um, under my coaching, my coaching group acceptance is power coaching. Um, And then I also highly recommend, like I said, prioritize your joy and your pleasure, because that is going to be the thing that grounds you in the present moment. So when all these unexpected changes occur, and uh, shit happens, you're going to feel far more confident and uh, an inner strength that you didn't know you had an adaptability that you didn't know you had because you have that as your foundation. It's, mm. it's, it's going to be amazing. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for being on the show. How can people find you? So you can find me at acceptance is power coaching on Instagram. We have a Facebook group too. Um, and you can also find me at, uh, if you, if you, uh, Scorts TV on Instagram. So we're going to be, we're working on some reshoots for the mini show. I'm really excited about it. We're taking the story to the next level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited. That'll, that'll be released later 2021. Uh, so if you need more info, stay tuned at Scorts TV on Instagram. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Tracy. It was a pleasure to have you on. Um, stay safe out there and Hey, go Georgia.